forward to a wonderful weekend. Uh, I guess your Sunday's over. Ours is just getting started. Uh, just by way of information, in case you're not aware, today is Imp Independence Day in the United States. Uh, oh, July the fourth, July the fourth, seventeen seventy-six. We told England we were going to go our way, and uh, <laughs> that was that. Uh, <laughs> and we, we fought a very terrible war. Yeah, and uh, we uh, we defeated the strongest military force in the world with a handful of uh, civilians, basically. Uh, that we had some great leadership, but that's another story. We don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about King Jesus this morning and what it means to be in him and to have him be in us. Uh, so far, we've talked about, um, you know, the, the unified spirit, the fact that we don't own ourselves. Our spirit is owned by God. And through Christ, he paid that debt for us with his own blood. We're no longer our own. We belong to him. His spirit resides in us. And because of that, um, you know, again, we've said that times before, uh, we may look the same, but we're not the same. We're now indwelt by the Holy Spirit who owns our spirit, who gives us everything that we need spiritually for life and godliness. Now, we talked secondly about why that's important, and we decided that, that was important to know that so we could stand for him and uh, have our hearts guarded by the truth of who we are in Christ and what all those things mean to us and being one with him john 17 and knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of god so and and our position in him so uh we're just really thankful for all that and we'd like to wrap up this morning this evening uh, with the third point here um, which um, is simply this is christ my goal or my present reality um I don't want anybody to be mistaken. I'm not downplaying goals. Goals are very good. Uh, they're very important. And there are very many wonderful goals. Uh, you know, as parents, um, those of you who are parents, uh, I'm sure shared with Mary and I the goal of, you know, making sure that our children knew about the Lord Jesus and would uh, hope someday a goal for them which all to be in him and walking with him. And for us, uh, praise the Lord, that's a reality. They have all done that. And so we're, we're just very thankful to him for that. And so that is no longer a goal. That is something that we really didn't achieve it. We just pointed them in the right direction and made the atmosphere and the environment such that they could find faith, their own faith. You know, God has no grandchildren. Um, you can't write to faith in Christ on somebody else's faith or cocktails. Uh, we're all first generation believers. So we're just so thankful that that goal, quotes that we had, has been fulfilled. And it's our continued prayer that they would learn to know more of him and to grow in him. <clears throat> but that's no longer a goal. So goals are things that, that we uh, hope to achieve. Uh, we, sometimes we spend great effort in trying to uh, reach these goals in our life. And when we do, we're very happy. And when we don't, maybe we decide to try harder. And that's okay, as long as those goals are things of the earth or things for this life but when it comes to jesus uh, we either have him or we don't so uh it's, it's not really something it's it's no longer it's not a goal it's my reality if we're in him um you know just for a simple example uh, i use a tractor in my work in my field my orchard and let's just let's say that it, it needs a paint job and i have a goal someday of painting my tractor well, once I get it painted, it's no longer a goal. It's done. So 
so that it's, it's not the same as the you know the present reality we have in Christ. So uh, our classic example in the scripture of that would just be the Apostle Paul and probably all of them. Uh, but Paul says in Philippians in one twenty one that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so so that's where we would like to go with this is that having that same realization that Paul had that, you know, for him to live, it was his daily life was to be in and about doing what uh, God had asked him to do, spread the gospel, teach, uh, you know, other people, and and not, never doubting that that was his day-to-day thing. It was just he, he was in him, and he was in Christ, and it was what he did. It was a way of life with him. It was nothing that he had to reach out for and try to conjure up in his daily life. It was present with him all the time. And that is where, you know, we're pointing us. We need to realize that's true of us, even when sometimes we don't feel like it. There are things pressing in against us that tend to detract from that. But but for Paul and for us to live is Christ. He is what motivates us. He is the reason we do what we do. Uh, He's the reason we have meetings like this so we might share with other people the joy of being in Christ and knowing what all that means uh, to us as believers. So it's just, it's just really simple yet very profound. So once we, once we, once we reach a goal or attain a goal, it's no longer a goal. It's we've accomplished it. And a goal also represents effort on our part. Stuff that we, you know, things we have to do to make it come about. But in reality, when you come to Christ, you know, He does it all for us. We simply receive. Uh, what he has given us and uh, learn to walk in it and grow. Now, it doesn't mean that there can't be growth or uh, expansion. You know, growth is simply expansion of what is already there. So if you have Christ, uh, you can grow in him. Uh, you're not going to give yourself any more of I'm, I'm sorry, you could give yourself more of him is another way of saying it, but you're not going to get more of Jesus. If you've got all of Jesus, you're going to get but you can grow in him. You can let his life expand in you. And uh, that's where we want to be focused is on the expansion, not the, the goal of trying to attempt to, to receive something. It's simply to know that we already have it. So that's the thing about uh, goal. And there's a, there's a scripture I'm looking for here, if I can find it here in just a minute, that sort of, that would go right along with this idea of, uh, you know, what we have in Christ and what he has done for us. And um, I'm still flipping through the scripture here. I'm sorry, I should have marked it, but I'll get there. <laughs> For some reason, I'm having trouble here. Uh, so, in the meantime, you know, we can think about um, when do we want to reign with Christ? You know, we can go to we can go to Romans, Let's, and we'll go to Romans chapter five for just a minute, and bring out a point there about. This idea of reigning with him. Um, when do we want to do that? Do we want to do that now, or is, we, is that always future for us? Well, there's just a lot that Romans has to say about the things that are in the sort of in the past tense. As we read through these uh, verses in Romans, I'd like for us to acknowledge or to think about um, all of the past tense language that he uses, things that are things that are done for us that have already been accomplished because they are many. 
And while, it, while I'm looking for that, I think I may have finally found where I'm going here. In First Peter, I, uh, here it is. I actually found it. Uh, back to the idea of you know Christ being our reality and not just our goal. Uh, uh, in First Peter chapter three and verse eighteen, uh, we read these words. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that that he might bring us to God, being put put to death in the flesh, and made alive by the Spirit. Okay, so I want us to think about that and see if you can plug yourself into this verse a little bit, where he says that um, he suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, he might bring us to God, and it says being put to death in the flesh, and it says made alive by the Spirit. So I'd like to suggest to you that that's true of us as well. When we died on the cross with Christ, we were put to death in the flesh, but we're made alive by the Spirit. So that's that's something that we received. That's something that we didn't have to strive for. It's something that was given to us. We didn't have to plan for it. That someday, when we reach a certain level of spiritual maturity, then this will be true of us. No, it's true of us on day one. Once Once the transaction has happened, we're put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit, just as Christ actually physically was on that day on the cross. He just took our place in that regard. So that's who we are. That's where we are in him. And he is uh, no longer a goal. He is my present reality. The problem with me is too many times the, the crush of daily events, uh, all my responsibilities, the things that are crowding into my mind, I lose that. Um, I lose that awareness or that sense of that until I get back to reality and say, you know, I got to quit all of this hassle and pressure that's going on around me and realize who I am and where I'm going and those type of things in Christ. So, and just to give that some more weight or to buttress those points, if we look at Romans chapter 5, you know, Romans chapter 6 is a wonderful chapter, and we all probably know very much about that one. And probably Romans 5 as well. You don't want to side, you know, put chapter 5 aside and focus only on 6, because there's much in 5 that goes along with uh, this whole situation, and particularly if we pay attention to the language of the past tense, things that have happened. And he starts off with one of those in verse 1 of chapter 5, Romans. Therefore, having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ and it goes it continues on here through some of these other verses i'll read some of them um through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of god and not only that but we are also we're also glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope. Now I'll be the first to admit to you that I often do not rejoice in persecution, at least not at first. It takes me a while to realize that God has this here for some reason, and that it's building in me these things of character uh, and hope. And the hope does not disappoint, verse 5 says, because the love of Christ has been poured out in our hearts. Notice the past tense, has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which was given to us and given us, us a, you know, all these things have happened already. From when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then he moves on down for stretch for the righteous man and such. But God, in verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's a, it's a tremendous verse. 
that is almost beyond our comprehension, but it's true. Then he says in verse 9, much more ha having now been justified. So, so these things are present with us. They're not things that we're striving for. Having now been justified by his blood, not by something that we did, but not by some goal that we set and finally attained. No, it's having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled, we were reconciled, not, not will be, not may be, we were reconciled uh, to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we, want, we now shall be saved by his life. And that's, that's another one of the key verses way back, you know, in the early 80s that, that just sort of shot me off into orbit when I, when I realized that, that where he says that it's his life that saves me, or we're being saved by his life. If you ask the average Christian, or maybe the person on the street who's heard about the gospel, and you ask them, what is it that saves you? You know, what, what, is it, what is it about Jesus that saves you? And they will most generally say, well, it's his death. Well, we know what they mean, that death paid the price, but this scripture tells us that we're actually saved by his life. And that's a daily basis. That's when he comes in and he works in our life daily. And all of these things, as we've been reading through here, are in the past tense. They've already happened. They're not, they're not a goal. They're our reality if we've made them our own. And so we have, uh, those of us who know him are plugged into Jesus in a, in a very tight way, are learning more of him. And we're allowing that spirit that we have, or we try to trust we are, allow, allowing that spirit to grow and expand. I'm not denying that there's growth or expansion, but in order, in order to, be, to have growth, you have to have uh, the implanted Christ first. And then as you mature in him, uh, then that, that will grow. It's not that you're getting more of him. You're, you're giving him more of yourself, your attention, your spirit, your thought life, and he grows in you. And these things are all in the past tense. And then uh, we can continue with verse 11. Not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the atonement. Or uh, this says reconciliation, same word. Through whom we now have received atonement or reconciliation so all of that to say that we're not striving for it we're not we're not attempting to get there we just simply need to realize that we have it it's a gift and and to begin to move uh, more in it and then we can skip on down you know, he talks a lot about the sacrifice and uh, the, the one for the other in verse 17 for if by one man's offense and death reigned through the one much more those that received abundance and grace and the gift of God will reign uh, in life with one Christ Jesus. So, Jesus Christ. So that was the point. One of the questions here that I asked a moment ago was, you know, when am I going to reign with Christ? Um, is, it, is it always future? You know, a lot of teaching, and, and it's true, uh, is that it's always put off till the future, till, till he comes back, till we were actually with him physically. Uh, or actually, I guess we'll be in some kind of a body, however it will be. We'll be with him face to face. And we have to wait till then to reign with him. No, the Bible tells us here in this verse that we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Well, I'm thinking to me that's here. That's here and now. I can I can reign in life with him here and now as I move on in him and 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 begin to see more 
of what he's done for me and to, to make it real in my life. So it's just this idea that we're not striving for what we already have. Um, we're not attempting to gain what we already have. So a goal is the other way around. A goal is something that's out there and as good as they might be, it's something that's out there that one day, you know, we're hoping to attain to. And when we get there, then we've completed that goal and there's satisfaction in that and we can move on to another one. But when we come to Jesus, he is our present reality. He's in us, he's with us uh, every day. He's here and now. So, um, you know, many Christians you know, are wishing and hoping that someday uh, they will be attaining to some level of spiritual consciousness uh, where they feel like they are spiritually mature and they have more of Christ. Well, you know, the news we have for them is you have all the Christ you're going to get. He can grow and expand in you, uh, but that we already have him. And, uh, you know, we've said before, and I know, Mark, you've heard me say this before, maybe some of the others who are watching or listening, but uh, many Christians are uh, trying to become who they already are. And they just need to, to rest in, in that and to uh, begin to allow that to be true of them. Um, so, you know, um, that's basically it on this point is just realizing what we have and, um, and allowing him to expand in us and, and, and not looking at the, at the relationship with Christ um, as something that, you know, uh, we're still trying to achieve. Uh, we, can, we can give himself more of us. We can learn more of him, but we already have him. And it's, there's that part of the quest uh, really should be over because we have him. We just went through all of those past 10 things in Romans 5. Has been, have been, is, you know, has given to us that we might reign in him in life. And I, I take that as meaning right now. I know there are those who will not agree. They will put the always off to the future. But I want to know him in the now. I want to know him today and tomorrow and next week and next year. I want to see growth in myself and my children here and now. So, well, we have him. He's ours. And uh, we're just so thankful that all of that is true. Uh, so uh, with, with some of the things that we've discovered and, and gone through and covered here in the last three days and the evenings here. Um, there's much more that could be said. I just want to kind of wrap it up with a little bit of maybe just a little recap and give you, um, you know, a couple little things that maybe you can remember as we move forward and, and move on from this. Uh, so knowing that we've been unified in spirit, um, you know, uh, it's no longer I, it's Christ, but now he owns my spirit. Um, the verse in Corinthians about being joined to, joined to Christ is one spirit with him. Uh, those are true. Uh, we've been bought with the price. We are now the temple of God in the spirit. That and uh, knowing that we need to stand for him, stand with him against the wiles of the enemy, be able to stand against all of the darts that are coming us with all of that armor we've been given particularly the breastplate of righteousness, which surrounds our hearts, which keeps our hearts guarded. Philippians there again, and the guarded heart, how important that is. And to know that we are one with him. Uh, and his prayer for us in John 17 was to be as one with him as Jesus is, as we are, Christ says, which is totally a mind blower when you think about what that really means for us. And to realize that, I'm, not, I'm no longer seeking Christ if I have him. 
he's no longer my goal, even though goals are good. But this one, we already have. So he's no longer a goal for us. He's a present reality. And then once we have sort of those major things kind of settled in our heart, if you will, in our spirit, uh, there is something that we uh, are commissioned, I believe, or at least I'd like to say to us that we have um, something that we can do. You know, we've been talking about not doing, about receiving, and that's fine and good. But with with this revelation that we've talked about so far, that I hope at some point will revolutionize our Christian experience to realize that it's not about what we do, it's about what He has done. It's about what we have received. It's about the life that we walk in. It's about growing in Him, learning more of Him. All of that is, is very good, and it's no does no damage to the message here of revelation to revolution. But once that's in place and it begins to grow in us, there is something we can do. Okay, and uh, so and here it is. Once once we have this truth, there's there's two words that I'd like for you to remember, and then we'll move on to maybe one more scripture, and we'll wrap it up and see maybe if there's some questions. But the things that we can, what we can do with the, with this information, with this life, with this uh, presentation of Christ being revealed to us uh, through the Scripture, is that we can rest and reveal. Okay, we can rest in it. And we can reveal it to others who are struggling. So if you want something to do, rest and reveal. And as we do that, then others will see and begin to hopefully, uh, you know, move from a constant life of striving uh, to a life of knowing what is really true about them and and resting in it and being able to uh, reveal it to others. And then there's one more scripture, and I noticed that this was in the comment someone had made to Mark. He shared with me earlier this morning, and it's a scripture out of 1 John chapter 4, um, which is very good. Um, I will just read a couple here, and we'll end up with uh, probably down around verse 17. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. Obviously, that's what you're supposed to do. And 9 says, This is the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son, into the world that we might live through him. Amen. That's what we're talking about. And verse 13 says, By this we know that we abide in him, and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Again, buttressing the whole thing here. He has given us of his spirit. And then down to verse 17, which was the comment I think that someone shared with Mark. Uh, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Amen. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, there's a lot in that. There's a lot contained in that little statement. As he is, so are we in this world. Verse uh, 17 of 1 John 4. It doesn't say as he was, does it? It doesn't say as he was in this world, so are we. No, I said as he is. He's not a was, he's an is. He's present with us. It's not that he was someone who lived and is now gone and we don't, you know, we know nothing more about him. No, he's present with us. As he is, so are we in this world. So then maybe the question might be, well, how is he in this world? And we could actually say, how was he in this world? What was it about him besides the fact that he was very God, which is obviously, you know, just tremendous. But what was it in a, in a natural human way, if we could say it that way, that sort of set him apart from his colleagues, the other men that he was around and with? And I believe it's, it's, and for me, I like to keep it simple. 
And for me, I think it's pretty simple in one regard. And it's important that we know these things so we can be as he is also in this world. And they are just these. He knew who he was. Okay. He knew who his father was. And he knew where he was going. He knew who he was. He knew who his father was. And he knew where he was going. And with those things in place, not to mention the fact that he was very God in the flesh, but with those things in, in place, he could face anything here. And he was unflappable. We would say uh, he was calm, cool, and collected in our language. He was not bothered by any of those things that came upon him, even to death. Now, in the garden, yes, his flesh cried out that this cup might pass from him. But he also concluded that prayer, as you remember, not my will, but yours be done. So, so with the knowledge of those things uh, and, and with what we've talked about being in place in our lives and, and allowing that to grow and to mature, uh, then we can have that same knowledge. You know, we know who we are in Christ. Uh, the only way that we pass through things that we pass through are because of that knowledge. Uh, Mary and I are classic examples. We were devastated by a church um, blow up years ago and the only thing that got us through was these basically these three things we knew who we were in christ uh we knew who our father was and we know where we're going in spite of all of the tragedy and that's minor compared to people who have lost loved ones and maybe some even right now suffering the loss of loved ones due to covid and other circumstances but that is what will get them through this and we need to pray for them as, as we move forward, that no matter what situation God has you in, it's tempting to blame others. It's tempting to blame someone else or something else for the situation instead of realizing that God has brought whatever it is into our lives to drive us back to the cross, to drive us back to Him, to drive us back to what we know to be true spiritually. Because what we know what we know to be true spiritually will supersede everything else that comes to us in this world. And that's hard for me to say, but it's true. So, uh, may God bless you. Thanks for listening. And um, it's just been uh, a joy to uh, go through these simple things with you. And we pray that you've been inspired, at least, uh, to allow Christ to be your present reality and not just simply a goal for you someday. Amen. Amen, Pastor Tracy. That was uh, uh, quite touching. Uh, Christ is uh, uh, the engine, so to speak, that drives us through life no matter what. And um, there's a question uh by Jimmy. Jimmy asked what does it mean exactly to gain life? What does it look like? What does it mean what say again? What does it look like to reign in life? <laughs> uh that's a good question, Jimmy. <laughs> I think it just simply means what we're talking about here towards the end that that no matter no matter what comes, you know, we're able to, um, now I'm, reigning in life doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be a king or we're going to have everything we want, but it means that we can, we can, so we say just get through, we can, we can pass through all of these things that are coming our way and, and be 
uh, successful in them. They don't, they don't shake us to our core. They don't cause us to uh, make shipwreck of our faith or go off into some, you know, some life of sin. It's the ability to, to take what comes and still, you know, not allow that to diminish um, the glory that we have in and through Christ. I think that's reigning. I think I think that's if we can do that, then in my view, we're reigning with Christ. We're we're allowing Him to be the supreme motivator, have the ascendancy, and not to allow this things of this life to distract from that. Even though I'm guilty of doing that at times, I realize that, and when I finally get around to it, you know, the Lord kind of hits me upside the head with a holy two by four and gets my attention. So now, wait a minute, what are you thinking? How, how can you go that way? You know better than that. Type those kind of thoughts become into my spirit eventually. It's not, always not right away. It might take a day or so, or even, you know, till I finally get back to where I need to be. And it's because I've gotten off. I've allowed something to penetrate my heart that I shouldn't have. I've, I've entertained some thought maybe the devil's given me and, the, and not refused it right away. That's why I'm saying that we need to constantly take these things back to the cross uh, even on a daily and sometimes a moment-by-moment moment basis. And we don't always do that because we're busy or we're, in, we're invested time-wise in something else at the moment. All right. Um, you, you, you talked of presenting uh, our circumstances to our circumstances moment by moment. Is that... Uh, um, uh, and... Uh, does that have to do with um, the Romans 5.10 being saved by his life? Yes. And we relate that to um, saved by his life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, so, Amen. so yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a moment by moment of present reality, uh, you know, that we are saved by his life. And... We all know what that means, just truths and death of Christ that paid for our sin. It may be atonement, but it's, it's through life that we have with Him daily that we're saved on a daily basis, kept safe, kept moving forward, kept enjoying the Spirit. That's by the life that we contain. That's by His life. Amen. Amen. Um, but I don't know if uh, there are still other questions. Are there any other questions? Uh, any other questions? All right, uh, Tracy, I would like you to um, uh, to talk more about uh, discouragement. Uh, uh, how should we approach discouragement uh, in view of what we have um, uh, have talked about? In this case, when we find that you find yourself in a place where you cannot lift yourself out, so to speak, you know? Yes. Just, uh, I'm not sure I understood the question. I was saying, uh, I was saying that um, how do we approach um, discouragement when you find yourself uh, discouraged about life and you seem not to pull through. 
you it's like you're under the circumstances yes and the circumstances now have put you under the table and then you find yourself unable to pull yourself out no matter how hard okay. you try okay i think i think i understand what you're saying and um well for one thing, you know, even though we like to be, we like to be up and positive and remain moving forward and all those things, we must also re- recognize that there is a part of the Christian life that no one, no one really likes to talk about or elaborate on very much, and it's simply lament. The idea, of the, the the thing of lamenting. Uh, there are there are times of lamenting in our life. You know, David, uh, uh, apostle. I mean, uh, King David was was uh, the expert if you will at lamenting even job lamented uh you know uh so like job's the ground zero for lament i mean he poured his heart out to god god if i have not sinned why am i suffering and so there there are seasons of lament that we will pass through but that's the thing we will pass through them we do not remain there if you were to look at the psalms almost every psalm almost not all of them that almost every psalm there'll be a section where David or the writer, whoever it might be, will go through a period of lament. He says, Lord, how long? Oh, Lord, I'm the only one that's left. Lord, what's going on here? How long will this last? You know, almost and almost every one of David's psalm, there's a there's a period of lament towards the first. And then about midway through, you'll you'll notice that it flips. He says, But you, O Lord, just to use it that term, but you, you know, he changes it to Begins, begins to praise because he realizes that God is really there for him, even in the season of lament. And um, one that has worked uh, very well for me uh, in this situation is Psalms 3, 3, I believe it is, where he says that he is the lifter of my head. So, so there are days when my chin is down on my chest and I can't, I can't raise my I had off my chest for being so down about something until, uh, you know, Lord, you're the lifter of my head. Maybe we should just read, find that and read it because it's so true. I've spent many, uh, (laughs) probably too many hours having to remember, uh, you know, this fact. I did a whole whole sermon session on lament uh, years ago, and the reason I did is because that's where we were. I was in a season of lament for for probably longer than I should have been. <laughs> but but nevertheless, um, it was true. And uh, so we need to go back and remember that lament is a part of Christian life. There is a loss that's attached to the Christian life. If you're not ready to suffer a loss, then you know, you're going to be disappointed when it comes your way as a Christian. But uh, Psalm 3 and verse 3 says this, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory. The one who lifts my head. Amen. So, so I would always wind up back at Psalm three. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a little short, little short verse that I've learned to play on the guitar that I, with this psalm right here. And that's, it just talks about this psalm and how he's, a, you know, he's my glory and the lifter of my head. And and when I have nothing else I can go to, when I'm at rock bottom, the Lord brings to me brings my memory back to this verse so yeah there are there are times of lament we all pass through them david did uh job did uh other almost you know other characters in the bible had seasons of lament 
when they thought they were the only one or the only one who cared or they were the only one who was suffering this way. And God reminds them, you know what, you're not the Lone Ranger out there. There are people just like that. And, and we need to get back to this idea that, yes, even in the times of lamenting, uh, doesn't mean you've lost your faith, doesn't mean that anything is... Uh, uh, you know, supernaturally happened to you. It just means that for the present time, a situation has occurred, and you are very much in distress about it. You're lamenting that, and and actually, um, Michael Card has written a book on it. It's called uh, Sacred Sorrow, and uh, if you can get a copy of that, I, that's kind of the basis for my sermon that I did. I did like a three-part series on lament, and the sacred sorrow is the the, the idea of lament. When we get on, that lament's like getting on a bridge that takes us back to God. It gets us out of our emotions and gets us started as thinking back about God. And that's why he is a shield for me. He's my glory and the lifter of my head, particularly when uh, I have nothing else, to, I have nowhere else to go. And I, remember, and I realized then that, you know, even these scriptures come back to mind, as he is, so are we in this world. I realized that Christ could face suffering like he did because he knew who he was, who his father was, and where he was going, and Pilate marveled at him. You know, Pilate says, don't you realize I have opportunity to kill you or to release you? And, and, and Jesus answered him not to the point that the scripture says Pilate marveled. He marveled at how calm and how assured Christ was because of, of, of those three things. He knew that about himself. He knew that he was going back to God. He knew that this was temporary, that this was soon going to pass. So, uh, you, O Lord, are my shield, are a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. So that's that's how I deal with times of sorrow and lament. And I've been through um, probably more than I'd like to admit. But uh, he always brings me through. It may take a while. It may take longer than I wish it would. Uh, but that he always brings me back out of it because we're, because he's in me and he's not going to let me you know just continue to wallow in that particularly if I start start lifting my head up off my my chin my chin up off my chest and begin to realize all these truths haven't been affected in the least by this season of lament they're all still in place and I just need to get back to it and to take it all back to the cross and say thank you Jesus I know that this is from you even though it's painful somehow this will work out uh, for my for my good and your glory and so we trust that to be true and I know while that may not be real easy to hear um, we have to take it there we have to go back you know read the Psalms almost, almost any of them you will see a point where David or the writer he switches the lament to the praise because he's going back to, he's on the bridge of lament and the relationship is being restored or strengthened uh, with his Lord. Amen. Uh, I can see that uh, uh, in life we are really bound to uh, meet difficulties. Uh, I, yeah, it would be escapism to uh, to think that we're not going to meet any challenges and uh, we don't have the energy to prepare to prepare us for life's difficulties and um, lastly I would like you to, to talk about besetting sins 